welcome to your typical shonen protagonist. He's Kai, I'm Kells, and this week we're rounding out Spooky Month with a show we can actually recommend. <laughs> yes. It's Boogie Pop Phantom. First off, Kai, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing a lot better than the people in this series, that's for sure. Bruh. And this is, isn't even the worst series we watched. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It is just, uh, you know, I will say it's probably the most, like, dep- I mean, I feel like a lot of stuff that in, was in Ishkara Dozy was just, like, pure, like, steak. For the sake of doing it, shock factor. Yeah, yeah like, definitely shocking, felt, yeah. Yeah, this felt like it was more so, like, whoa type stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely gave the suspenseful horror vibe that we were looking for for the last four weeks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, some some shows do things for the shock value. Some shows do things just because they can and no one else is doing them. And some shows take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and make it work for their own series in a way that truly is evocative. Right, this show, Boogie Pop Fandom from 2000, really gives a sense of of horror and dread and suspense the entire way through the 12 episode runtime. And that has been the vibe I have been looking for for all of October. And it felt really good to get. No, for sure, for sure. It definitely, like you said, had that like suspenseful, um, dark vibe, and just the way that this was like kind of shot with like the grainy, um, like I forget the name of the so, filter that they use. For so the they have they have a sepia tone filter on a lot of this. They have sepia a lot of thing. like heavy vignetting to get you to focus on like the center part. Of the frame. This is shot in 4x3 because it is to the year 2000. But it, it's very cinematic. They use a lot of cinematic techniques to present the storytelling elements. And that is one of the things it does incredibly well. Yes, for sure. Like, it's just a whole, like, spectacle from, like, just the feel of it. It feels so much more like a, like, just spooky and horror vibe like it's the one that truly felt like that you know like i feel like with this we've touched on all different types of like horror in the genre for uh the spooky month by the way happy halloween Mm. because this will be going out on (laughs) halloween so yeah right like we planned this yes we did definitely pre-production the scariest part of production (laughs) now Yes, we have seen the the boundaries of of horror throughout our month, for for better or worse. But looking at Boogie Pop, Boogie Pop is just this culmination. Now, that being said, as much as I feel this is an incredible show, I personally haven't heard Boogie Pop's name in rotation for the pantheon of horror and spooky anime. You know, when I think of... Uh, names that are crom- commonly cropping up. I'm thinking uh, things like Serial Experiment Lane. I'm thinking about Evangelion because it's Paranormal it, it, Agent. Um, that other one with 
the with the girl who explodes people invisibly. Elf and Light. Elf and Light. All of these shows are kind of the same vibe where there's there's an element of horror, there's an element of gore, and there's an element of psychological dread that comes along with uh, the shows and the show suspense. But Boogie Pop is just not a name that I've heard in the Facebook post of Weaboos where we put four show you know, title screens up and, and that's the, that's the content. How have you heard about Boogie Pop and like its reception from the current anime world? I mean, I kind of stay to a lot of like niche stuff. I feel like, um, so I've seen it. I want to say like fairly present, but nowhere near is like the things you mentioned for sure. But it's definitely, um, like, I'm also a huge lover of, like, the adult squim type, like, Toonami, like, throwback vibes, like, that aesthetic. And I love, like, the early 2000s and 90s. I feel like that's the, like, superior aesthetic next to maybe the 80s. Like, everything pre-2010s. I'm just, I'm a boomer, I guess, as the young kids would say. Uh, but I really, like, have heard a good deal of praise about Boogie Pop. I haven't heard it from everyone, but, like, the people I have heard about it from have, like, praised it. Because, you know, it's kind of part of that madhouse world, I feel like. Um, so, yep. Because I mean, yeah. this show is produced by Madhouse. Yeah. So, like, I, I've i heard good things about it. I do feel like it needs to be more exposed. Um, I felt like Boogie Pop and others did give it a push. I felt like when that came out, whichever year that was, um, I want to say it was like 2000. 19 2000 yep 2019 uh is when that one came out and i felt like that was a huge push in the genre as well but also inevitably i heard it kind of died off so i don't know i think people just because the story is just so confusing and all over the place and it's like a it's like the story is being told through like smaller individual stories um so you kind of have to keep track of what's happening and get to the conclusion yourself I feel like that might be something that drives a lot of people off because this is a very cognitive show that a lot of people don't necessarily want to use their brain when it comes to things like this. Yeah, this is a show that you have to pay attention for. Like, you you have to be watching the scenes they show you. And and even with the level of, of cinematic effort, I would argue that this is better almost in a movie setting because in a movie setting... You are in the moment. You are paying attention. You're in that mode. When I'm watching something on TV, you know, I make it halfway through the plot. I see kind of where we're going. I want to glance at my phone. I want to do something else and come back to the story when something happens. You know, look away for 30 seconds, two minutes, and come back and kind of stay with it. But this show is, you know, really just too cinematic, almost for its own good, because you can't look away. If you are expecting to stay with the plot and the plot of the episode, along with the plot of the overarching series and the season, um, which is good and it's also confusing. But the best part about it is most of the answers you're looking for, you get until you don't. Yes. Um, that's very, that is very accurate like i feel like there were some small details that were left out like i don't feel like we ever got an answer why the dude was smiling on the television 
Um, but then again, we very could have because, like you said, you can't like down like you gotta pay attention full send the whole thing like full send. And I think I don't think we ever found out, or maybe I just overlooked it. But I don't think we ever found out how Toka got Boogie Pop inside of her. Uh, no, and we don't also find out how um, Nagi winds up being the motherfucking high school spooky hero. Yeah, um, like how she became a vampire, whatever slayer she kind of is. I don't know. Yeah, but but equally, we get we get shown the event, but we don't have any of the context for what's happening or who's there. Like mm-hmm. that's how this story works. Oh. Yeah, five years ago, there was a blinding light, and there was a thing that happened that caused everyone to grow powers. And this season is talking about all of those individual people who grew powers and then had problems for it. But we we see the event in passing, you know, maybe no more than 20 seconds over the entire runtime of what this glowing light event was. But we have hints at kind of the setup for it and so on, so on and so forth. And this is kind of because of the storytelling techniques and decisions of Boogie Pop and later uh, Boogie Pop Phantom, excuse me. And then later with the 2019 anime, Boogie Boogie Pop and others, which are uh, is the prequel to this, which was crazy to find out that 19 years later, we're getting the prequel animated. So if you wait long enough, maybe you'll get answers. Yeah. Uh, But back in the day. You just kind of had to live with what this was unless you read the light novels. So let me quickly go over a synopsis that I threw together in about 37 seconds, and then we'll get into the production, and we'll go from there. Okay. So Boogie Pop is an almost anthology series about mostly high school students encountering high strangeness. A combo of spirits and electromagnetic energy haunt the city where this turmoil happens. We have a number of like notable characters like Boogie Pop, Boogie Pop Phantom, our spooky hero, Nagi uh, Karima, along with the Manticore and a number of other spirits that we deal with. That I say are spirits, but who really knows, man, at this rate? Yeah. Uh, because it's not because there's a blurring line of like technology and modern modernism in this world of supernatural stuff, which is one of the crazy things that I think like happens with Japanese culture. Yeah. Japanese culture is very like interesting because I feel like they try and put a lot of their like messages even in anime, like. Just for instance, the whole birth rate, like, you know, there's a lot more harems and like animes about families and stuff are coming out because they're at like an all critical <laughs> low of birth rate. So I wonder if was that the case back in the 2000s? Like, were we trying to tell the populace of Japan something with these things or are we just putting it out here as a flex? I think we're just putting it out here as a flex, but equally, it's also a conversation about like other things, you know, a, kind of a psychological conversation. Um, when we when we get into the themes we're dealing with throughout the plot of the show. So I think it's uh, six in one hand, half dozen in the other. It, it is both. It can be, you know, two sides of the same coin. No, you're right. You're right. Now, uh, throughout this, I'm going to compare this to a couple of a uh, couple of different kind of Western shows that this calls to mind. And let me know how you feel about this. So 
one of the big things that as I was watching this and kind of how it was an individual story per episode that uniquely tied it all together with an overarching plot, uh, you know, not necessarily one and the same, but this really reminded me of like the Twilight Zone, how it was kind of spooky, but also you could watch an episode and get an individual story. Like that was yeah. how it was presented. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um, that or like black box that like a newer version is that was called? I never actually watched I, it. Good uh, good question, my guy. <laughs> I never actually watched it. Um, but like um, Oh, is it Black Mirror? Black Mirror, yeah. That's exactly okay. what it is. Like black box, the plane's going down. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like black mirror it gave me that black mirror. Even maybe kind of like an American horror story vibe. I've never watched yeah. it, but yeah. I feel like um Sarah has because Lady Gaga was in it a lot. I don't know. Um, but I feel like it had that type of vibe, even though I said I didn't watch it. But yeah. Yeah. No, just just with the with the really with the way that each episode presented a tone and a vibe. You know, um, you know, you had talked about really the emphasis of a lot of anime is not necessarily the completion of the story, but the commitment to evoking an emotion or a vibe getting getting communicating a feeling right yeah and this really focuses on communicating a feeling a feeling of dread a feeling of of uh suspense and like horror and shock it's committed to that throughout the the characters it presents in each episode yeah now, moving on to the production, we have the author, uh, Kohei Kadono, who wrote about 20 Boogie Pop light novels, among other unique creations. And with this idea, you know, re taking a look into his back uh, story, getting the other things he's done, and kind of where Boogie Pop the idea came from, uh, you know, he was writing these up to 1998 or 1999 before Boogie Pop. Uh, Phantom, the anime was released. This re like this is really what got me to kind of relate to the light novel industry, and I'm sitting here thinking about Goosebumps. Yeah, Goosebumps like, for sure. R. Goosebumps, R.L. Stein, the spooky stories for kids, where it's one small paperback that tells a story, and that's it. You know, no more than a hundred pages or so. And I'm I'm sitting here thinking about, well, this is goosebumps for a mature audience because you know we we take a look at his backlog. We have Boogie Pop and others, Boogie Pop Returns versus the Imaginator Part One and Two, Boogie Pop Overdrive, King of Distortion, Boogie Pop at Dawn, so on and so forth, all the way through. And it's like, man, I wish I could experience Goosebumps the Boogie Pop Saga. <laughs> Now, can I blow your mind for a second? Do it, man. Do it. This man, he also did a spinoff manga of Diamond is Unbreakable. He built a story for that. What? Yes. It's called um, Crazy Diamond no Aruskuti Shikshuren. Whoa. And he did the story of it. And uh, I don't think it ever got an anime, but like he worked with Akarai personally. Um and created the story for this like spinoff. Oh my god, I think I uh 
I don't know if I heard about this. But yes, no, definitely. Looking at looking at this, he's got two other works. Um, you know, the English name being uh, Shameless Purple Haze, uh, JoJo's Bizarre Advent- uh, Adventure, uh, and uh, Crazy Diamond's Demonic Heartbreak. Yes. Man, I need to go read something. About to be literate, man. It's going to be a whole journey. I just recently delved into the world of light novels, so I'm like, wow, it is a journey, but like... I feel like pushing up my glasses with my middle finger type knowledge right now. Man, I can't wait to ascend to those days. <laughs> now, other other production elements we've got. This is a Madhouse production from the year 2000. Yes. Shout out um, to Madhouse, man. They have, again, created some of the greats, which we all, I'm sure we all know about, you know, um, like freaking Irregular Magic High School. Yeah, I said it. A regular Magic High School. I that is a good anime, and I will be judged. Um, Parasite, you know, no Parasite. game, no game, yep. no life. Hunter Hunter, um, which is crazy. The um, the OG Hunter Hunter. Yes, Wolf Children, which was a vibe. Um, freaking. Uh, what the, haven't they done? I don't know. Didn't they do the goaded one that will never get more? High School of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. they done. Trigon, Carcaptor Sakura, Bomberman. The Japanese Lilo and Stitch. Chobits. Black Lagoon, Red Line. Like. <laughs> yeah, we getting into the movie phase. Red Line, Summer Wars. <laughs> they, they have just done so much. And like the fact that they did like Paprika too. I think they did Perfect Blue as well. I'm not sure. But I know they did Paprika. Um, what shows they really got like. It's just like all the different genres and Death Note. We can't forget Death Note. But just all the different genres that Madhouse has done and like exceeded in. Like normally you'll see like, you know, Studio Piro. They only really do shonen, long running shonens, and that's kinda like their egg I and feel butter. Like that that's inaccurate. And we know this to be true because we've talked about Studio Piro. but Studio Piro is is just so big that we can get the big shows and not notice everything else that they do. Yeah, but like you, you know them for like they're shown. You know yes. what I'm saying? Like, because yes. they even did Akadama, Akadama Drive, <clears throat> excuse me, which is a whole vibe. And that's not really a show. It's like a sci fi thing. And it was 12 episodes and it was absolutely beautiful. But um, Madhouse, you can't just say, oh, Madhouse, they're the shonen anime or they're the dark anime. No, they do everything. Like, how do you give us Monster, Paranormal Agent, like the same time you give us Galaxy Earl, Galaxy Angel X, man? Like, those are completely different things and like beck and nana like you're even crushing the music anime bro like the only thing i feel like madhouse has not done which i can't recall is maybe a sport note they did half Jane no ippo <laughs> yep okay so yeah they've done everything <laughs> they've done everything and it's one of those things like i feel like i feel like madhouse is falling off i feel like they have fallen off um like, like i bet it play blade Sorry. <laughs> yeah, man. Mind they've done they've done a lot. And and maybe it's because I'm looking at I'm looking at all of the things they've ever done. But looking at kind of what they've got coming out in the in you know this year it's like two productions for 2022. Like they made three things in 2021. Yeah. And I I don't know. I know. I feel like this. Like every year, we see like they're making less and less. 
Um, so that could be like a buyout. That could be that they're moving towards MAPPA. Like, I don't know, because I think they have affiliation with MAPPA as well. I'm not exactly sure. But and it's not like like what they're making is, you know, getting worse and worse. It's just they're they're reducing their output. So they're not, you know, competing at the same volume as like a studio Piro. No, a hundred percent. But alas. You know what's one company we need to get around to talking about? Sunrise. You know what's one company we see put a lot of effort <laughs> in that we've never actually mentioned ever, ever? <laughs> Which one? DR movie. Yeah. Out of South Korea. Yeah, I don't think I've, like, I don't know what they've ever done. They're an animation house, but they've had their hands on a lot of things. You sit through the credits, and you see their name come up. So that's one we need to get into. Okay. But that's a problem. It's a problem for later. Right now, we're getting back into Boogie Pop Phantom. And we're, we're, we're pivoting ever so slightly... Continuing on production, let's talk about the director, uh, Takahashi Watanabe, who, among other things, is known for directing Freezing, Ikitosin, Taboo Tattoo, New Fist of the North Star, and presumably, I was waiting for this one, Rave Master. Of course. Of course. You know? Because <laughs> um, why not? I mean... When you have a catalog like that, you know, there's really, there's really so much only like it is, I am not surprised. Um, the Especially with freezing, it's like freezing. And I think he also did like Shauna no Shauna as well. Um, even did some work on Slayers. Like it's kind of, you can see his, um, you can see his, what's it called? You can see like his directing style or like his input in the shows. I feel like just the way that they like ordinate, like kind of the mm-hmm. process of how they flow. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm really, I ain't gonna lie, I'm really shocked at his repertoire. Like it's very, you know, out there. It also looks like he might've done a good bit of hentai as well. Um, What I'm saying. <laughs> from rather hey. report girl and you know so on but we don't judge here that man for being 65 yeah make, i mean he's make, been around you know make your art chief <laughs> he's been around and he's like got such an interesting way of storytelling and just like all of these shows that i see that he's done i really kind of want to you know watch like in experience and i'm like there's not enough time in the world um to experience all these but i feel like i might try one day um but yeah so he's directed it and his art style really came to like you said the whole what was it called the sequenta cyan um filter (laughs) that he put on it sepia sepia there we go always forget that word that that whole sequoia filter (laughs) (laughs) but i love the like sepia vibe he's got on everything like the kind of like tone in the backgrounds and like just the way the characters like move and like when that what was the scene where the girl had the blood on her face and her eyes like came through like you know popped in her head like she opened her eyes that made me like, ugh. like you know, I just really love the smooth direction and like the way that that flowed. Mm-hmm. And the and the the artistic decisions that the horror and the gore is there. 
but it's not there all the time, right? It is there when it needs to be emphasized. And it's out of view to build up the suspense. Like this is this is masterful approach to this genre. And I just wish Uritsuki Doji had taken some cues. Yeah. <laughs> but alas, but alas. Um my God. I don't think we're ever gonna stop referencing that for better or worse. Not. Or not. Um But no, absolutely. The 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 direction and the the cinematic decisions, the way that the sepia tone was you the sepia tone and the vignetting was used to communicate like a flashback. In 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 a story we're telling um non chronologically, right? Um there's a specific word for it, but I'm I'm at a loss. Um non-linearly, excuse me. So we're jumping back and forth as we tell these individual stories about these characters and their interactions. We're jumping around in the same like three month time span, you know, even so far as flashing back to five years ago, flashing where we are now, telling a little bit of backstory, this, that, and the other. Each of these stories focuses on a different character non-linearly, as in time doesn't happen, you know, one after the other. And still, these, these artistic creative decisions to communicate where we are in the plot is so expertly done. And that's one of the things I really appreciate about this. Now we're telling a story here. And that story really revolves around a couple of a couple of things. The story is about how people deal with the change through their adolescence and how their perception alters and shifts with time. Talk about that. Yes. So Wait, run that back. So I'm talking about the relationship between our characters and how it progresses through time. Uh, no. So, so a lot of the a lot of the plot focuses on um, adolescence. Oh, how yeah. That change in life from you know middle school through up to college, which is where the bulk of our characters uh, are at the moment. How that's a weird time of change. You know, we see shows like uh, Rascal Does Not uh, Dream of Bunny Girl Senpai as a show that really deals with the same themes and, and, and plot complications of being an adolescence and this being a strange time. Well, Boogie Pop deals with those themes and, and, and plot points in a horror setting. Yeah. Cause it's like, um, like we see, um, just taking character Tuka, Toka, uh, Miyashia of how like, just, she is kind of like, still like at that playful age where she's like oh you know i'm a mischievous person but she's also like a good person like that balance of like being mischievous and making the mistakes but still being like nice um because there's a lot of rumors and negative things going around about homegirl uh nagi and you know it might be because she's out here hunting demons but anyway um but that doesn't stop Toka from, like, you know, speaking to her normally and developing those relationships. And also how, like, we see that Toka is, like, in love with this dude named Kiji who barely spends time with her. And, like, it's, like, there's still you still see the aspects of that high school throughout, like, that horror. Like, it's, like, a lot of stuff is going on, but we're still making time for romance and, like, gossip and rumors and all that other stuff that happens around that time. Which is, like, kind of wild to think about. Like, oh, yeah, we got people, like, dying and disappearing and stuff's happening. But, like, you know, 
Jenny is such a heifer. Like, screw Jenny. Yeah, and and it's such in it's in such a different way than a lot of tropey. Well, okay, excuse that that term. Then then a lot of other genres approach this with because the you know the kind of we don't get the same whole high school drama setting that we do with every other show just because we have to have it relatable. Like we only see them in a classroom when we need to see them interacting with other students. And in that setting, we see positive, we see negative, and, and you know, that's storytelling presentation, but absolutely, you know, uh, we do make time to touch on some basic interactions and relationships and romance, but really to serve the plot of that episode, because we don't get a lot of fluff. Yeah. That's one thing with this, you know, there's not a lot of fluff that we get that is not used to continue the plot or touch on later. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, early on in the show, we get into this weird episode. I mean, of 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 all the weird episodes, this one's weird. This episode where there's this high schooler who's got a part time job at a restaurant and is in love with his computer waifu, and we introduce this whole drug analog. And this, yeah, it's a whole thing. What was your vibe on that episode? It was, it was interesting. Um, I was like, it's funny seeing like the use of technology in 2000. Like, you know, that like now we have people who are actually in love with their computer waifus and like it's a lot more popular and acceptable and everything like that. But I was here for it. It was like an interesting kind of like, it gave me like, I don't know why, but it gave me like a really serials lane aspect, like vibe in that episode. I want to relate, but I'm not, I have not yet ascended, you know, 150 episodes in, I have not yet ascended to full weeaboo and sat down and watched serial experiment lane. Oh yeah. Um, but it was, but just I could like, get the vibe. Yeah. It's just, I mean, really it's just the way like that was kind of, like presented with the whole like eeriness and just like it felt like creepy like i don't know it was more so that was one of the episodes that i felt like creepier than like everything else had that aspect of like horror but it was like a little bit creepy especially the way he was like talking because i don't know it made me also kind of look at myself and was like maybe i should not use the word like waifu even though waifu wasn't really said i was like maybe i should calm down on like the waifu life uh yeah no it's definitely getting you know asking the question of the the appropriateness of that lifestyle but really the more the bigger commentary is the the escapism right the the trying to escape from having to deal with real life women and using electronic games as an outlet for that and also the blurring of the lines of reality because he's treating his waifu as an analog for this new girl at his cafe who, you know, he's working with. And he's blurring the lines of what he's allowed to like reasonably do with her. Like he's using, you know, he, he, he doesn't understand where he is, but also that's because he's using fucking drugs and he's trying to, you know, exploit a younger coworker. 
and younger yeah. by meaning uh, a middle schooler. And that's by no means kosher. <laughs> yeah, no. And he's like, you know, has that like aesthetic of like the creepy, neat person, like who is just, I don't know, like kind of Java the Hut S. <laughs> You're, yeah, Jabba the Hutt esque. We're hoping that the middle schooler chokes him to death from behind. <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah. We're, but yeah. Yeah. I feel it. Now, this lead this episode leads us into another question about the series in general. We introduce two characters in this episode, the kind of two big bads behind the scene that are kind of murdering people. They're they're using this drug to, you know, gather an audience and then they are collecting those drug users to then, I don't know, consume their human essence or whatever this show actually describes it as. But we only see these characters, and really specifically the girl, one more time in the show, the first 12 episodes. We get no explanation of who they are or what they're doing, what their motivation is, their impact on the story. They're just there. How do you feel about that fact, that we get we get loose ends that are left? It's bothersome um, because, like, it's one of the things that I felt like, okay, we need to know they did all this other stuff. Like, they did, like, all these things, and we touched on, like, the organization. We're talking about, like, Spooky E, right? Like, yeah, talking about whatever we can get into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was the name of one of the characters, I believe. Um, oh, uh, yeah, Electric uh, something? Yeah, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, electric, uh, yeah, basically Spooky the fat dude who was, like, a Westerner, supposedly. I don't know. Um, I just really didn't like, you know, like how that was like F left open ended. Like I understand, um, like you know, leaving that there. Which I also feel like that gets answered in a leather and light novel because it has like more things about the world to expand and tie into. So I could kind of see that as well. Because um, like I guess you have this is really where you have to separate that this is like a series and not just a standalone. But outside of that, like, I really felt like I would like to see, like, a conclusion of, you know, what is in there. Because there's so much that was opened up and that could be expanded upon with, like, them and their backstory and, like, the organization that they're part of. Yeah. Which I'm sure we get some background when we get into Boogie Bop and others. That only took, you know. Maybe. 19 years to come out. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we could have read the light novels if we really wanted to know that bad, according to them. I feel like that's at, what they would say. At this rate, I'm tempted, man. Me too. Because there's enough meat on the bone to get hooked and want more, which is, yeah. I think, I think a, a good job. You know, we we do get enough to satisfy a little bit, you know, like especially with the whole plot of of Echo, the the girl who can't, you know, speak words on her own she can only repeat what she hears uh and then has those butterflies of memory but also you know in in that continuation of that plot line the pied piper character pom pom and we get the resolution of that plot line with you know explanation about kind of the the world and the lore and and how all these characters exist and interact but we don't get an explanation about where the fuck did Boogie Pop Phantom come from? You know, like, 
Yeah. We have two boogie pops. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just like I like that was I don't know. That was also kind of aggravating for me because I'm like, okay, we've got boogie pop, which we know is like, you know, not the person that they're like made out to be. Like, you know, they are a or he is a, you know, somewhat benevolent, maybe no question mark person. I think question mark is a good, good point there. Because he's like not a bad person. He's just like he does things for like his values and he's a shown to be a compassionate person, very different from the rumors. So I'm like, okay, is the rumors about like actually Boogie Pop Phantom? Like, but then I'm like, who is Boogie Pop Phantom? Like what is happening? Like that was, but I mean that there's also Boogie Pop and Boogie Pop Phantom. Like they're two separate entities. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like it's like the rumor. Well, yeah, I know. Cause you're right. Boogie Pop Phantom does have it, their own rumors. So I'm just, I don't know. And- and so the confusing part is, yeah, we get these rumors about these schoolgirls talking about Boogie Pop, and then we introduce the concept of Boogie Pop fandom, and we don't really delineate between the two until a little bit later. And it's like, okay, you show me Boogie Pop once, well, I'm supposed to remember the full look. The only real difference is Boogie Pop fandom has longer hair and a different kind of face. And also the audio cue where they're talking in this crazy kind of uh, modulated voice that's not kind of consistent with the other one. But when we see the other one for all of, you know, a minute, 30 second screen time, is that really enough to go from episode to episode to know the difference? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But I think this show does a good enough job at having you ask those questions and then delivering an answer in due time, right? We're not left until the end of the series to get some kind of answer on that, which I think is great, right? We we get introduced to the fact that there's a Boogie Pop Phantom. We don't get the difference between the two until later, and then later, they're just cold chilling. Like, they're not adversaries. It's not like a doppelganger situation. It's like, here, let me show you the situation, and then I'm going to leave. But equally... The other big questions are like, okay, well, Boogie Pop Phantom, the kind of spirit memory that was generated by electromagnetic waves five years ago, vanishes when the electromagnetic field weakens around the city. But if that's the case, what's the story about Boogie Pop proper? Mm-hmm. Like, like it just <laughs> takes over. And, like, the fact that, like, you're wondering, is it sentient? Because Homegirl, um, not Homegirl, Tuka's or what her name is yeah toka's mom saw it like or him and then like toka's boyfriend also has seen boogie pop so you're like okay does boogie pop control like because it's like boogie pop always says bye before it leaves to the boyfriend so like does boogie pop control when it shows up and leaves or like how does that work i we and in this show i don't think we've seen um toka's boyfriend at all do we know? But we do. We, no, not in this show. We we see that Boogie Pop is controlling Toka's body. Yes. So e- even to the point where you know Boogie Pop chases down the spirit of the uh, private detective turned journalist uh, that was friends with uh, Nagi Karima, our spooky hero. 
and like blows him the fuck up with an EMP also to take care of the spirit of the manticore. Um, and after that event, she looks down at her wristwatch because she's inhabiting the body of, uh, Nagi or excuse me, uh, whatever the character's name is. And she was like, I feel sorry for this character who was supposed to be doing tests. Right. Yeah. But that's different from Boogie Pop Phantom, who's just this generation of, of spirit of, of spirit energy and memories that follows the same vibe, but not exactly, and then just fucking disappears. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a whole deal. It is a whole deal. Like, Boogie Pop is... Boogie Pop is really interesting in the aspect of it's, like, also... Like I feel like in the 2000s, you could kind of get away with a lot of stuff because there wasn't that much coming in. Or at least, um, I don't, see, I can't even say that. But, like, because just because it wasn't in the States doesn't mean it wasn't big over in Japan. But I feel like there was a lot of, a lot of, okay, we'll just keep it going because, you know, yeah, like type energy. Like, there wasn't really that much, like, you didn't have that many reviewers. You didn't have that many people, like, in the world, it, like, it wasn't anime wasn't as popular as it is now, I guess I should and say. And I feel like I feel like that's exactly why Boogie Pop isn't in like the the Western horror canon. Right? You you gotta go a layer deeper to find Boogie Pop. Yeah. If if you ask for, you know, Western Weeaboos to recommend a horror anime, you're gonna get the four shows that are really shocking, right? Evangelion. Elfin Laid, Serial Experiment Lane, and then maybe something else. Yeah. But because it is so abstract, it's one of those shows that never made it over in terms of popularity. That that it's just not in the Western canon, in the in the Western conversation. But it is so good. It is so good and it is so challenging, which is the thing I like about it, right? Because, you know, if I want to show that I can put my phone, you know, pick up my phone and just watch and, and you know, look back and forth and, and you know, split my attention and just kind of hang out, I'm not going to come for a show like this. But there are times when I do want an experience. And this is a show that provides that. I agree. This is definitely one of those shows where you're like, okay, I need something spooky that I can watch like over the weekend or something that can be in the Halloween spirit. But also something I can just kind of like... You know, I, was, I didn't want to say something you could just watch and then be done with because there is, it does linger on your mind for some things. But some things you can just be like, okay, you know, I watched this. Like, it's one of those animes you can say you watched while you like sip tea. You know, it's like one of those, mm, yes, I have seen Boogie Pop and Friends, yes. Yeah, no, Boogie Pop Phantom is definitely a show where I would, I would, you know, say I have staked my flag on the mountain of Boogie Pop. I have witnessed and been to the peak and have experienced it right yes all right rounding out our characters the only other character that comes to mind for me as really crucial important uh in the continuing overarching story right Mm -hmm. is nagi uh kirima yes who is our badass spooky hero riding a motorcycle going to high school and we don't get either of those explained we just know she's chasing ghosts yes um 
Like, she's like the Sasuke of the group. Like, kind There's of. There's a group? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> of the series, because she's like the notorious, I would say. Um, I gotta stop using Naruto and Sasuke as examples for that. But, um, she's kind of like feared and treated like an outcast at her high school. But, which is like weird, because it's like, have we ever seen... We don't really know the reason that happens either. Like, because has anybody ever seen her do the stuff that she does? Is that why she's an outcast? I don't know. And I, yeah, no, she's an outcast. And we don't see enough, we, we don't see enough of classroom stuff with everyone interacting to really understand the vibe. Other than gossip, which I appreciate. I appreciate that we're not just wasting time in the classroom for this. Yeah. Um, but also, if you're not paying attention, you're not going to catch the vibe, right? Uh, until the last episode, and you're going to go, well, why does everyone hate her? Or in the last episode when everyone's in high school, you're going to go, wait a minute, everyone's in the same fucking high school? What? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, she's like like the delinquent vibe and aggressive and brutish because, like, you know, she's had like a past and <sighs> she's got a lot of stuff going on, but she always gets like top scores and like she never comes to school, but she still thrives and all that. So she's like kind of that angsty character who's like also really like talented i don't want to say like talented but like really skilled i guess yeah yeah just a whole student and a whole spooky hero a whole oh my god on a tangent now no it's still related to this character it's still related to nagi but it is a tangent okay if you were paying attention i need to ask you this question okay how did you feel about Boogie Pop Phantom's approach to the hero of justice? Okay. Um so so a little bit of backstory. Naki meets a private detective who is looking into this secret organization that's causing humans to grow into I don't know fucking new types if we're being weeboos. Yeah. Um they they're causing humans to evolve and go, grow into new types and have all of these different kind of powers. And this this private detective is getting close and, and investigating this organization, and Nagi's father, something something Karima, is, uh, is involved in it in some manner. And they meet while something crazy happens, Nagi is in the hospital and the, hero, and the, uh, the private detective meets her in the hospital. And his dream is to be a hero of justice. And Nagi encourages him to do that. And then we find out that he does that by giving some kind of vaccine and then getting murdered by the organization because he betrayed them and then turning into a ghost and then turning into a journalist who gets close and then fe- and it's, a, it's a whole fucking storyline. Yeah, no. Like how that, did you, sorry, go ahead. How did you feel about the, this presentation of the hero of justice i felt like it was interesting because like unlike the you know most i feel like famous hero of justice shiro emia um he kind of came upon that on his own opposed to nagi who was who was looking for some type of direction that's what she was like told that she should be like a superhero which kind of started her activities and put her down this path that she is on. And I think like, I think it was interesting because it showed like the duality of like, 
I feel like choice versus like duty. Like, and it made me kind of wonder, like, is she just doing this because she thinks it's her only purpose, opposed to whether she like truly believes in it? Like, or like, is it showing that you could? <laughs> now you ask him the existential questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, is there really just like, is that all it takes? I felt like I felt like Boogie Pop was kind of like putting it out there of like, you know, a superhero is a choice. Like, it's not like a duty. It's not like your destiny. It's something you can choose. Or, like, you know, like, and we see that her, like, justice was kind of, like, skewed as well because it's, like, it wasn't just, like, you know, I'm going to be, like, a Superman type of person. Her stuff is more, like, gray, like, I would say, like, a Batman or, like, a, um, like, an anti-hero kind of, in aspects, as opposed to just mm-hmm. being, like, the Boy Scout or, like, the, you know, poster child. And I guess my question here is, what about the stakes? What about the stakes of being a hero of justice? So in Digimon, like Digimon Try for for all of its effort, Lord of Mercy, Digimon Try movie one opens with the challenge of Ty, you know, really being the leader, being really being the motivator, and being challenged by the his now having experienced more life and being a little bit more grown up in high school being challenged by the choice and cost of his actions, right? With Shiro Emiya, well, less Shiro Emiya, more um, his dad. What's his dad's name? Uh, Kiritsuku. Or... Oh, yeah, uh, Kiritsuku's yeah, Emiya. Kiritsuku. Yeah. Kiritsuku really has to deal with the cost of being a hero of justice, right? Committing to the cause and then having to deal with the actions and results of that decision. And I think that, you know, personally, this show deals with that interestingly in the same tone, right? We see less of that cost-benefit analysis go on with Nagi, but with our Hero of Justice private detective, he makes that commitment to his actions and saves that person with the vaccine while they're in the hospital from becoming a new type, and he winds up dead because of it. Yeah, which is like, which is showing the same way that I feel like that there is no, like, no good deed goes unpunished. Like, you think you're doing the right thing, you, like, it's the same thing with, um, well, not the same thing, because this man didn't, like, kill a whole entire island and a bunch of other people and his dad <laughs> but um <laughs> oh sorry sorry you haven't gotten there yet but um oh uh, you're yeah. talking about um wait no that happened in zero that happened in zero never mind yeah, that happened in zero okay zero. i thought that was a limited blade works but yeah so i mean it's different but it's also kind of the same a little bit i feel yeah. like um and then and then later on when he's a ghost that we find out oops spoiler alert um you know, when we find out that the journalist who's using a code name and, and talking to uh talking to our main character Nagi, um, you know, we find out later that Boogie Pop tracks him down because Boogie Pop knows he is a ghost. Because, you know, in this episode we see he's using uh people who are hurt and depressed and rejected. Uh, to feed on their energy because he's become a ghost and that's not okay. But his memories from you know being a private detective are coming back, and then he finds out that he's possessed by the the Manticore, 
And then he pulls off this final Goku and Raditz, like, Piccolo, shoot me, kill him vibe uh, to continue to be Era of Justice. Yeah. And kind of round that out. Yeah. So. And I'm glad we kind of got a resolution of that in this show. Yeah. It was it was interesting to see how that trope came back up. Like, I'm just like, okay, so it always happens. <laughs> yeah, everyone gets redeemed. There is the one no, good thing that happens. <laughs> yes, there is no such hero of justice. I mean, there is a hero of justice, but but is it worth it? That's the the greater question. Now, I want to round us out. Right, let's talk about the loose ends that Boogie Pop Phantom leaves. So at the end of the show, we find out that you know three of the characters we've been following. Uh, you know, Boogie Pop, the human, uh, Nagi, the the spooky hero, and then the girl with glasses who had to do with the bug dude it was a whole deal. Um, these three characters get together and they're like, wow, we've been through so much and we've been through a different, like, you know, same journey, different problems. Hooray, we're now done with high school vibe. But we still have loose ends, even after we get this kind of, presumably satisfying ending let's talk about the loose ends that left one loose end for me glaringly with with the whole like overarching a plot what happened five years ago with the shining light and the organization that caused everything that we saw happen yeah that's that is a huge plot hole but i feel like that's also was because okay we need you know content for another light novel or that's you know the plot of boogie pop and others since that's literally what that is is the what happened um you know five years ago yes um which that being said there are a lot of you know quote-unquote plot holes but i do love the fact that there are answers in a different medium so it's not like this this material just doesn't exist. It's not like the answers aren't out there. But in terms of the anime, yeah, we we wind up with like the second arc for an anime, which is fine. So well, yeah. step one is go watch Boogie Pop and others uh, and get the answers you're looking for. And hopefully there are less left over. But two, you know, OK, what happened five years ago? What are the deeper details about the organization? You know, what are the metahumans we keep seeing showing up? Mm hmm. The, the excuse me composite humans as it was translated like the serial killer in the news like yeah, what's up with the serial killer five years ago <laughs> i'm just like there's so much and i'm just like yeah, yeah. um okay okay uh you got one? Oh yeah the serial killer in the news was one for me like and then the girl made of like i think you already touched on the girl with the butterflies made a light like that yeah that well that that was a whole thing because they did kind of explain it in the series yeah the, the 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 mom who had amnesia actually did give birth to the kid but because of it being birthed at home and her mom having this fever she did get amnesia and the grandmother raised the kid as her own with the mom being in the institution yeah um, and the reason that the girl became like powerful 
Because that was a whole thing, too, was that, like, I think this mom was the reason, I don't know, the whole the whole vaccine bullshit. But yeah. the kid was just a regular-ass kid, right? No dad, like, not married, single mom. But as her grandmother died, or was dying, right, getting, getting frail, she murdered her granddaughter because, you know, she didn't want to leave her alone in the world. Kind of fucked up, but hey, who am I? Um, And then the five-year-ago light thing that happened caused her to come back from motherfucking life, grow in age, take a picture with her grandma, and then go off and, once she's dead, into the world and collect, like, the history of everything that's happened to her as a spirit. Like, what is the universe doing right now? You know? True. (sighs) Yeah, that was a whole deal. Yeah, there was a lot. You know, and we never found out what happened to the people who were being like saved. Like, where were they going? Like, right, right. They just sitting there in like a motherfucking spider cocoon, waiting for when the rest of humanity ascends. What does that mean, man? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And like, I guess the biggest mystery outside of like you know the five years ago is like, what the hell is Boogie Pop? Like, who is he? Like, how did he get there? Like, you know, just I don't even know if that's answered in the other series. Yeah, like, yeah. What what is Boogie Pop the spirit? How did it come to possess um the girl that it does? Uh yeah. All right, I want to hit in closing. I want to hit you with my hot take. Okay. Okay. Boogie Pop happens in the same universe as I want to eat your pancreas. Okay, I want to need you to elaborate. Is it because of the hair? Nope, it's because of the serial killer. Not to spoil, I want to eat your pancreas. But throughout I want to eat your pancreas, they kind of hint at the same vibe. There's posters plastered throughout the city, throughout the movie, that there is a serial killer on the loose. You're right. You're right. And it never got resolved. Therefore, Boogie Pop and I Want to Eat Your Pancreas, both light novels, both in the same universe. All right. I give you that. Because <laughs> I'll give you that. I'm not saying it's good logic, but it is a logic. Again, I'll give you that because, like, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're definitely not wrong. Uh, okay. But overall, Boogie Bop Phantom, what an OG in cinematic creativity, uh, creative storytelling evoking an emotion evoking a vibe of suspense and horror that they really play into very well the graphic gore exists in this show but it's not in your face for the entire runtime it is sprinkled throughout to emphasize the shock and horror of the entire plot when when the girl kills herself on the piano because she has no reason to live in corporeal form because her spirit's already a child living with the pipe piper it serves a purpose and man i'm glad i sat down and finally finished this show what's your vibe uh, on the show overall or that scene yes wrapping up your 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 final thoughts on whatever you need to say i think i, I agree with you i think this is a because i had watched boogie pop and others i hadn't watched this um <laughs> i know uh but I felt like I watched it in order. 
Um, but I also feel like this was a whole ass experience and adds to like that kind of like, you know, king of anime slash manga that I'm going for um, in life, maybe. But it was definitely if it like I can put this with like my repertoire of watching things like Perfect Blue and Pet Breaker and Paranormal Agent, Zero Experiments Lane and freaking um, Garden of Sinners. Like I felt like I can like put this in my like creepy slash like spooky bag, which I'm very happy I can. Like I really love the cinematic way this was like shot and put out there. Each episode felt like a little movie kind of like like i really would feel like this could be diagnosed in film class throughout the way that it was directed by uh tashiki and the story was coming through from kadano i thought was also really interesting that the little stories made up the overall story which i really like when that happened and it felt like you know i felt like i definitely would like to see this maybe one day even like kind of remastered just with the animation of boogie pop because like boogie pop had really crisp and clean madhouse animation not that this didn't but like i would still like to see it updated only because i'm really curious to how it would play out as well with like the filter and everything in this current like animation time that we're going through i feel like yes it would be interesting to see a modern take on this but I feel like we would lose the unique kind of medium influence, influence from the medium itself, of where this was produced. Because this is still cell-drawn hand animation, right? In the modern day, everything's digital. So there is something that, that comes from the, each frame being drawn and painted and filmed sequentially that adds to the spooky vibe of this show. Like there's a reason that, that earlier you had touched on the fact that kind of nineties uh, and early two thousand shows have this look and this vibe to the animation that really nothing else can touch. It's because that was the time in which cell animation had become, it had hit its peak of the medium and then we moved into the digital world uh, but yes i would love to see more boogie pop more of the story a continuation on the plot i would like to see this become a bigger um kind of spooky brand but there's light novels we can go out and get more if we want it which is positive true true but um i enjoyed it would recommend me me too man of all the shows we watched this month, this is one that I can recommend. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, wow. Yeah, you're right. Um, actually. <laughs> um, so with that, thank God we're rounding out Spooky Month and moving into something new here on your typical Shonen protagonist. Now with that, you can catch all of our stuff on all your podcasters, talking Spotify, iTunes, Amazon podcast at your typical Shonen protagonist or on Twitter at your TSP. That's you are TSP. Kai, you have stuff too. Yes. You can find me at Twitter and that's static dreads with AZ. So come check it out. And of course, check out the other product at content breaker. I know your podcast or Twitter, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube as well. Content breaker. We'll catch y'all next week for more. Your typical Shonen protagonist. <laughs>